I'm Aria Schwartz. And I'm Rachel Galligan. And welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. The semifinals have been epic, and we're here to break them down. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com if you're looking to get tickets for the WNBA playoffs we're in the semifinals, but there's still more games to go thanks to our sponsor tick pick you don't have to worry the original no-fee ticketing site and official ticketing partner of the defending WNBA champion, Chicago Sky. Use the link T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com backslash Winsider for all your upcoming ticket purchases for the WNBA, NFL, NBA, or any other event. That's TickPick.com backslash Winsider. Did you miss us? It's great to be back from traveling just in time for all the craziness of the WNBA semifinals. So we're still in the wake of an epic game three in Seattle between Seattle and Vegas, and just a few hours away uh, from game four tip off for both series. But since it's been a little bit, Rachel, I'm going to give you a a quick moment, recap us on games one and two of Chicago versus the sun uh, and the aces versus the storm. I mean, hi, I'm glad to have you back. I see that, uh, you, you came back with a nice mustache. Um, you, you, you still have it? it? It'll be gone by tip-off, don't worry. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, here we are. Uh, this, is, uh, this is getting pretty intense here in terms of Chicago and Sun. I mean, you know, Sun were able to pull out that first win. You know, they, they were able to muck it up, make it messy, make it ugly. Uh, just kind of played that bully ball that we've become so accustomed to. Game two, Chicago was prepared. Um, you know, they weren't on their heels as much and, and pretty much took control of that game with Connecticut trying to make a late run. And then, obviously, game three, um, Chicago, I mean, it was not a pretty basketball game. That, that well, is- well, we'll get into game three. This is just for games one and two, Rachel. Oh, this Talk is to game me. one two. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, you're and fine. You're fine. Seattle and uh, Las Vegas, I mean, game one, Seattle came out completely on fire. You know, had a, had a lot of offensive firepower from around around the entire team. Vegas just didn't really seem prepared that game. I think Asia Wilson seemed pretty frustrated. Um, only had one touch in the fourth quarter. Just a lot of kind of empty possessions and, and strange shot selections. Vegas just didn't really look 100% there. Then game two, you just had that absolute epic battle of MVPs. Um, Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, just going like toe to toe, just heavy hitters, like going at one another. Uh, Vegas was able to pull out that phenomenal win to kind of even that score. And that'll take us to game three. And just a reminder, join our next watch party on playback. We're doing it for basically every playoff game to the end of the the season. I mean, maybe we won't, but as of now, that's what we've been doing. Uh, the link is getplayback.com backslash room backslash windsider that's getplayback.com backslash room backslash windsider it's a cool platform it's like a watch party uh you get to see rachel and i's lovely face uh see the game no spoilers we bring on different friends uh who have unique and educated perspectives on the games the teams and whatnot um 
All right. So then it was the first game of the game threes. Chicago Sky taking on the Connecticut Sun in Connecticut. Um, it was a back and forth gritty game again. And I think, you know, Rachel, as we were chatting throughout that game, I'm sitting there going, you know, there's a positive here for Connecticut because it's the style of game they wanted. The negative was they couldn't buy a shot. Um, they couldn't hit a layup. They are in trouble. And if you follow social media, you get why I brought up the layups. Um, but when you look back at that game, when you think back about it, like what's your analysis of it, Rachel? Because when I think back about it, I, if I'm Kurt Miller, yeah, you're upset about the loss. Yeah. There's like factors and things you'd like to do better, but end of the day, like it really just boiled down to the fact that they were in the game and they weren't hitting shots, shots that you fully expect and anticipate those players to hit. Well, I mean, here, you know, you hold the defending champs to just shooting 37%. They shoot 24% from the field. You know, you end up beating them at the free throw battle. You dominate them on the glass. You know, I mean, it's like, I think the two areas that are the biggest areas of concern are just the turnover numbers. You know, I mean, Connecticut only turned Chicago over eight times versus the sun turned it over 17 times. You know, that's been an ongoing theme with this team throughout the course of the season. But I mean, it really does just come down to shots. I mean, you, you hold, you hold Chicago to 76. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I don't know what else you can possibly do more on the defensive end of the floor. You know, you made everybody so uncomfortable. Um, you did what you were supposed to do in terms of being the aggressor, getting, getting yourself to the free throw line, winning, you know, the rebounding battle. I mean, th those are two huge keys for Connecticut to be successful. I mean, you know, so I think you look at the turnover numbers, um, but yeah, I mean, it's super simple. I mean, you know, you can't have half your team you know, going three for 12, three for 11, even Brianna Jones, one of the, you know, I mean, and I think she ended up going four for 11. And, uh, you know, that's not atrocious for her, but for someone who shoots in the sixties, that's not a great night. And so it just, it was almost like, it was almost like Connecticut was frustrating Chicago so much, but it almost felt like Chicago was able to frustrate Connecticut, at least when it came to being around the rim. I mean, we talked about the layups. We talked about those, those missed shots and the paint that we see this team make. If you just make not even half of the ones that they miss, make three, this is a different outcome in that game. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it, that was a disheartening win for Connecticut because I feel like the game plan was in place. It did go to their favor. It's just, if you're not going to make shots, it's it, like, what, what else can you do? You know, it, it, this is late, late playoff. This is September basketball. You've got, you've just got to make shots and, and shots includes obviously layups as well. Well, and that's, I mean, there's so many aspects to it, but you talk about the Connecticut sun, right? They're made for these like grind it out series where they're just going to battle you. They're going to play physical and you're not going to want to play them in the third game of the series. You're not going to want to play them in the fourth game. Uh, you know, Chicago obviously has that will, that fire, that drive. Um, they won a championship last year. And I think this year, what's made it so different is normally the team looking for the repeat struggles to have that, that drive, that fight, that bark. But because of how bad Chicago was or inconsistent they were in the regular season last year, I feel like Chicago came into this season with a completely different mission. And it was much easier for them to be so driven that you don't necessarily see as much with the repeating team. Um, but when I look at this game, I, I have to agree with you on many 
points, which I hate to do. Um, but but I think about it and I'm like, John Cole Jones, like your MVP, you're pulling her with three minutes left. Um, I un- but and I understand like the issues of who they're putting on the court, who you're putting on the court, who's being successful, who's not. But I have to think that like at a certain point, if I'm Kurt Miller, I'm gonna rest my cap, whatever the phrase is, on John Quill Jones, right? There's a reason she's an MVP. I know she hasn't been that level this season, um, but I think if they're going to move on to the finals, it's going to be because like Alyssa Thomas is going to do Alyssa Thomas things. Maybe she's not going to be hitting her shots. She's going to get a ridiculous amount of rebounds, get like a handful of assists, get a couple of those poke out steals. Um, but at the end of the day, if John Quill, jo- if they cannot find a way to in the same way that we look at Seattle and say, you need to run the ball through Rihanna Stewart in the same way we say Vegas, you need to run the ball uh, through Asia Wilson or Chicago through Candace Parker or, you know, whoever it is, the the Houston Comets through Cynthia Cooper, like whoever it is, that is their player. The question for Connecticut throughout all their years of, of being successful in playoff runs has been who is going to be that player who kind of puts the team on their back. And I know Alyssa Thomas can do that in ways, but I feel like in playoff series, Alyssa Thomas's style of play isn't as productive for getting the W as a great like John Quill Jones is. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. No, it just feels like it's by committee, you know, a little bit with Connecticut. Um, it could be anyone's night, any given night. You know, it's kind of the approach. And again, I feel like this is the most disconnected I felt from understanding a team, a Connecticut Sun team in years. You know, there, there's just something. And I could say the same thing about Chicago. Not disconnected, but just still, there's something I can't quite figure out about this team. But when it comes to Connecticut, I certainly feel that way. Um, you know, you just have to question. I don't know that, you know, do you have to have someone like a Brianna Stewart or an Asia Wilson to go all the way? I mean, we could argue Chicago doesn't necessarily have that. Now, everyone will kill me for Candace Parker. Yes, Candace Parker is that jack of all trades, leader on the leader on the court, floor general. She can do a little bit of everything, but I'm just talking about like that that MVP, superstar caliber player. There's two in the league right now. It's Asia Wilson. It's Brianna Stewart. Um, you know, obviously Chicago has Candace Parker. That the intangible she brings to that team, it, it, combined with Courtney Vandersloot, um, and the rest of of uh, their talented roster, is not to be. You know, and, and I'm not taking anything away from that. I just feel like when it comes to Connecticut, there's not that clear person to run the ball through. You know, like, and 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 I know you're saying that it should be John Quill Jones. I just don't know if that's the case. At least this season. I mean, we've talked about from time and time again, who are you going to throw the ball to late in the game, five minutes left? This, this, this franchise has showed time and time again, they're not necessarily going to do that with John Paul Jones. So I think it's more of a just by committee, you know? And, and I think a lot of times, you know, you got Dewana Bonner, she's going four for 14. Um, Alyssa Thomas, three for 12. John Paul Jones, three for 10. I mean, Brenna Jones, I mean, I think if you can establish an inside presence one way or another, from John Paul Jones, Alyssa Thomas to Brianna Jones. You have to have two or three hitting on all cylinders to be able to be successful, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I'll, I'll push back against that is, while I agree, I'll say that I feel like the issue with this Connecticut team by playing by committee is the issue I've had with them throughout this whole season is their inability to find the hot hand. 
they're so focused on that committee aspect that Maybe. like when John Quell starts heating up, it's not a consistent, uh, concentrated effort to feed her over and over and over. It's we're still going through the rotation of the offense and somebody else is going to take the shot. And I'm look, I've never played elite basketball like you, Rachel, but in my mind, if Rachel is hitting, you know, four shots in a row and she's feeling it and then doesn't touch the ball for the next five minutes, it kind of kills that burn. Well, 100%. And I think we all can agree, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is what I would do or what I would think they should do. This is just what I see. This is just kind of the, genetic makeup of what this team is this year is it's by committee you know I would be curious you know coming out tonight you know this is a do or die game for Connecticut where is the concerted effort going to be you know is it going to be we've got to get John Quill Jones more touches you know and does, does she need to be more um, established late in the game um, I'm not sure because again at the same point <laughs> their game plan was was highly effective it won them game one it arguably should have won them game three had they just made a couple easy shots. So do you go away from that or do you decide that your shot selection has to be honed in a different way? Um, I think a lot to be unpacked and determined here with Connecticut specifically. Um, we could question whether it works or, or whatever that might mean, uh, but obviously do or die game tonight um, to be able to take this to game five back in Chicago. I'm excited for it. We'll do pick them at the end. Aces Storm game three. What an epic, epic matchup. Uh, the Twitter world has been ablaze. Somehow I you know, pissed off a bunch of people. I don't, honestly, I still like, I don't understand how, why, or what. We don't need to get into that. What we need to talk about is we are watching the two best basketball players in the world face off leading their teams in a battle. Two completely different recipes. We're talking about a stacked deep team of vets who know what they're supposed to do and what they can do on uh, Seattle. Brianna Stewart has been lighting it up. Even in a game last, last game where she struggled offensively to score, she still ended up with a, a nice amount of points, filled up the stat sheet in a variety of other ways. Um, and, and it's truly come down to the X factor. We've talked about this all season. Like I don't care about Tina Charles. Sorry. Like, yeah, she misses the free throws and costs them the game. That's a different topic. What I'm talking about is Sue Bird is going to do Sue Bird things. She's going to facilitate and run the offense. And heck, this might be her last game of her career. And what we've seen throughout this playoffs with her is she's ready for the moment. She's going to hit big shots, even though she struggled to score at points this season. But it really comes down to Jewel Lloyd. Is Jewel Lloyd going to be that, that number two or heck number one offensive threat for Seattle if they don't have her? Who else can step up to fill that role? Because right now it's been, you know, Brianna Stewart offensively versus the rest of the Las Vegas aces. And then the Las Vegas side, the completely different makeup where it's, there is no depth. It's, it's Asia Wilson, but like she has her Batman and Rob. I mean, I don't even know if that's the right term because I mean, this is a stacked team, right? Like we literally have Chelsea Gray, arguably the best point guard in the league right now. We have, and, and, who's shooting an insane percentage right now. She's shooting, she's on par. And last game might've screwed this up, but she's on par to set the WNBA playoff record for uh, field goal percentage. Uh, Dupree had it at like 65 or 64.5, something like that. That's an insane stat for a point guard who so much of her shots are not near the basket 
are are contested. I mean, the 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 level of 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 defense that she's facing from Gabby Williams, Jewel Lloyd, um, uh, Brian January, and so on. Like this is underratedly one of my favorite storylines of the playoffs. And then you got Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young and and Asia Wilson who are just you know, continue to do crazy things. Uh, thoughts on them? You no, know, what's crazy is just the Seattle Storm. You know, they were able to come out and I would say had one of the most complete offensive games that we've seen from them, you know, and at least in the second half of the season. I mean, you finish with six players and double figures. You know, Brianna Stewart finished with a double-double, 20 and, 15, 20 and 15. Um, Jewel Lloyd, 17, um, which, you know, looking at the stat sheet, you're like, oh, that's great. I think the difference maker in that, she finishes one for seven from the three-point line. That hurts you. Um, because this is a team that just lives and dies. They don't live and die, but, you know, the, the, the three ball is so important for Seattle's level of success. Um, so, you know, d- down the stat sheet, you know, Sue Bird, Stephanie Talbot's been playing really well. Even, even Magbagor ended up a perfect four for four for 10 points. So, I mean, from an offensive perspective, Seattle, I mean, you know, they made that run, they come back, you know, you've got six players in double figures, you end up scoring 98 points. Like, the issue is, in my opinion, now we, we don't have to get, we can, if you want, get into the specifics of how the game ended. I, I keep replaying it in my mind. Um, but I you mean, know, get, that you was the most. Couple, you miss a couple free throws, but my point is big picture here. You They couldn't find a way to slow down Las Vegas, you yeah. know? Like regardless, you, you, you have, you score the amount of points that you score. It's not, it's your issues are not on the offensive end of the floor outside of your missed crucial free throws down the stretch. But how, how in the hell do you slow down Las Vegas? Well, so I'll say this like, my, my stance on that game is it, it was Vegas's to lose. And in a sense, they lost it, not in the records, but in a sense, they lost it because the second half was such a drop off of the, the lead, the domination. And they, they allowed Seattle to crawl back into that game. There was places where I feel like timeout should have been called. There was places where, and, and that's been the criticism of Becky throughout this season, right? Not, not the timeout specifically, but a little bit of letting the players kind of just flow and do what they want a little bit too much. And sometimes as the coach, you need to rail them in. Um, I'm not hating on Becky. I think she's a top coach in this league. Um but when I look at that stretch, that's where I started to question, okay, this is Vegas letting Seattle back in the game, not Seattle putting themselves back in the game. And it comes down to, look, completely agree with what you were saying. When I think back at the game right now, honestly, I think the thing that, that allowed Seattle back in the game was the crap offense from Vegas. It was a lot of early, early in the shot clock chuckups, a lot of bad looks that they were, it, it looked like, they were going through the motions. It almost looked like a three-quarter, like five-on-five game drill where they're like, okay, and Kelsey, when you get the ball up here, what are you going to do? She's like, oh, I'm going to shoot it. Okay, let's run it to the next. Like, it didn't seem like they were playing a playoff basketball game. And and that type of mentality will not only lose you play, playoff games, it will lose you series. And Seattle just was not able to capitalize on it. And I, you know, as much as it does not pain me to say this, because I've been in the camp of Tina Charles has, if she's not coming off the bench for this team and being like a vet role player playing a very specific small role, then this team's going to be in trouble. But at the end of the day, Tina Charles, you hit two free throws, the game's over, Seattle pulls off that victory. And we're not talking about, is this Brianna Stewart's last game in Seattle's uniform? Is this Sue Bird's last game ever? Is this 
Breon January's last game ever. Like there's a lot of question marks, a lot of storylines for this team. Um, and I think we wouldn't necessarily be having those questions if it was just as easy as heck make one of the free throws or as put your hands up, like what you doing, Rachel. Okay. Rachel, as a former coach, as a former player in the post, uh, Jackie young gets the ball in the paint right in front of you. Are you keeping your hands down? Or are you putting them up? I mean, I'm, I'm not keeping them down. You have, you, I mean, you've got to, you've got to contest the shot. I mean, I understand maybe being hesitant of not wanting the and one, but to give up a point blank layup, you know, like, I, I think it was just a little, literally a level of just like blanked out, you know, not wanting to give up the and one, not accidentally bodying or hitting on the foul instead of just hammering her and contesting the shot and making her earning it from the free throw line. Well, that's the thing. Like I, I would think it, it's one of those, it, a brain fart is the only thing I can think of like, where she's sitting there and she's thinking about the process of, and, and honestly, I put that on coach, not preparing the player. And maybe this is wrong of me. So call me on this. I put that on coach for not in the huddle before that play going, Hey, if you're in the paint and somebody gets it, you don't let them shoot it or you stand still hands up like a practice dummy. Well, and be, being able to contest the shot without fouling, that's such an art form um, at any level, but especially in the WNBA and in late game situations, that's huge. I mean, you know, we could break down the analytics of that play and, and even her being able to grab, catch the ball where she did. I mean, good Lord, we could talk about the end of that game and literally until the end of time, because it was one of the most unbelievable endings. I mean, it truly makes you realize like anything is possible. I mean, we haven't seen, I don't know that I've ever seen a WNBA game end in that manner where it was like such an emo emotional roller coaster of, wow, like Sue Bird just sealed this game. <laughs> and then, wow, okay, like, like the momentum shift of it like was unbelievable. Um, but I think, I think, you know, sometimes we, we can get so focused on those final intricacies, a couple plays here and there and forget that there's 84 other possessions before that. Um, you know, where, you know, Las Vegas comes out of halftime and they're a little bit flat. Uh, Las Vegas is able to jump out way early in this game and, and earn themselves a lead. Again, only an eight point lead. We, we feel like they were up to like 20. They weren't. It was only an eight point lead. Um, and Seattle just found their rhythm the second half. It was really a, a tale of just two halves. Seattle just, just a couple intricacies at the end. Um, and honest to God, you play that game, you play that exact same last three minutes, 10 times, who ends up winning that game? I think Seattle ends up winning eight out of 10 times. What do you think? I would say minimum seven. Just yeah. like, look, the way that, the way all that goes down, it's, it's what the multiverse, the whatever, like, yeah, end of the day, it doesn't always happen like that. Um, all right, we've, we could talk forever about this, <laughs> but we, but the game starts in two hours, three hours. So uh, let's real briefly, let's do a pick them. Um, I'll, I'll let you do Chicago Sun first. I'm going Storm. There, I, I cannot believe at, it's going to be packed. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. I just think we are in it for, like, no way Sue Bird goes out at home. I don't think so either. And I really think, you know, to lose two, and Seattle has been so good at home all year, um, I think would be extremely shocking. And obviously the motivation is there. And, um, and selfishly, I wish this series would just go to like 
15. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Seattle too. Um, little note from Hunter Hames, our Seattle Storm beat writer. The last time the Storm lost back-to-back playoff games was in 2018 WNBA semifinals. Seattle rallied to win its next four to claim its third of four WNBA championships. So Fun. keep that in mind. Fun fact. Um, okay. I'm torn here. With all of the, like, I fully expected both these series to go to five. With the, to fill you in, if you live under a rock, Kurt Miller was mic'd up for ESPN game and was caught on a hot mic moment saying something to the effect of, I'm going to lose my job because professional athletes, professional basketball players can't make layups, something to that effect, whatever. It has been, besides my tweet, probably the most quoted thing on so on WNBA social media right now so for me with all the things that they've gone through with everything I feel like that might be the straw on the camel's back that kind of unravels it now it very well could be on the flip side of that the thing that you know brings them together tightens them up I kind of feel like Chicago seals it tonight um and I'm just gonna lean into it I've been back and forth on it I'm just gonna lean into it um, and kind of force your hand to either agree with me or uh, take the hot take. I think Connecticut's going to win. Um, but, you know, they, they've been good at home. This team has – they have found ways to rally together throughout the course of the season. And the, against any amount of adversity, this team finds a way. The game plan is in place. We know it works, but you've – players got to hit shots. Players – you mean – at the end of the day, you look up at the scoreboard and you don't have more points than your opponent, you don't win that game. So if you're not making shots, <laughs> you know, to dumb it what down. An e- what an epic, epic uh, breakdown of, of incredible basketball. Incredible analysis, I know. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like these are high, high level, the, the most elite players in the world that can't be happy that, you know, shots aren't falling the way they were. Um, I would be shocked if it happened two nights in a row. If Connecticut can just focus in they're still at home this this team has been good at home all year um or you know pretty solid pretty solid at home all year um I just don't think I just don't think they they have any give up in them you know you you talked earlier in the show about just that hunger and that willpower Connecticut has it I think that they're going to pull this one out tonight they're going to push it to game five back in Chicago love it that's the take that's us we'll be back we'll on the stream tonight we'll have a podcast tomorrow or the day after or whatever like reactionary hopefully sorry if the uh the audio on this episode's a little bit messed up uh our normal program is down but hopefully they'll fix it and we'll be back rachel thank you as always thank you <laughs>